people. Welcome to another edition of Kayak Fishing Radio. However, this is going to be kind of interesting. I'm doing a live video right now on Facebook, Time Some Flies, while we do the show. But the show is not really a show in the sense of uh, more or less random thoughts. <laughs> random thoughts and uh, fishing dreams. Something like that. I've had a, I've had the last couple of weeks. I've had a lot of literal daydreams of uh, finding the perfect place with the perfect flat, the perfect fish, laid up, waiting to get fed, the perfect fly. Once I find my bobbin, we will be in better shape. Let's see. Chat room's up. If anybody wants to jump into the chat room, Scott's there. What's going on, Scott? Um, I'm going to jump back and forth into the chat room throughout the evening. But first things first, I must find my bobbin. Ah, there's the bobbin. So, if you guys, uh, you guys could picture the perfect flat or the perfect species to go fish for this year. Say a species you might want to knock off the bucket list. What would that species be? And where would you have to go to do it? Or where would you like to go to do it? That is the question. So if you're watching on Facebook Live or you're listening to the podcast, feel free to uh, answer. Want to answer there on Facebook? Cool. I'll uh, read off the answers, if there are any, on the podcast. Or if you guys want to call and talk about it, tell me about where you want to go. Feel free to do so. 714-816-4727 is the number, as always. Feel free to uh, give me a shout. Just had somebody in there, and they dropped. I think it might have been... Rob DeVore. Look like Rob DeVore's phone number. Anyhow, what's going on, Lee? What's going on, Kevin? Uh, uh, let's see. Alexis and Tiffany. Tiffany Patchell's watching. Hi, Tiffany. Jessica says, hi, Tiffany. Let's see who we got here. Welcome to Kayak Fishing up, Radio. Chuck? Who is this? What is up? This is this your boy, T-Day. <laughs> What's the you're you're out of control? What What's is going on, Thaddeus? Not a whole lot, man. You know the usual weekly night walk with the pup. Nice, nice. What's uh What's new and exciting in your world, my friend? Well, my brother just got married again. Oh, and, um, congratulations. Yeah, so we went up to Jacksonville for the weekend. Water is freezing up there, man. Um, my fish finder lasted for about um, five minutes when I got there. Um, long enough to mark 57 degrees. Um, right at, at uh, out towards the inlet. In Jacksonville, 
And um, that was about it. Yeah, I found out that uh, you don't store fish finder batteries on the side. Uh, I guess you don't store fish finder batteries on the side? Is that what you said? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I have a... Um, what happened? Did you have a leakage or like, did it... No, no leakage. It just won't hold any power now. Um, it's uh, only... Sucks. <clears throat> Yeah, I've had this battery for like a year, um, and I kind of the way that I store it is in one of those uh, one of those waterproof boxes, like the little Ozark trails, whatever. I made it to set some wiring for right. it and uh, lays on its side to fit, and um, did some research because I was having trouble charging it. And uh, come to find out, if you store, I don't know if it's the same with the lithium batteries, but um, this battery, if you store it on its side, uh, I guess it messes with the juices inside, and um, <clears throat> it keeps it from allowing the charge. So, no, that sucks. Time for uh, any battery. Those of you that are watching, <laughs> hang on a second, hang on a second. Those of you that are watching on Facebook, I know it's kind of weird because. I'm not saying anything. I got earbuds in my ears and I'm tying flies up or whatever. If you're just joining, we're live on the podcast. So the podcast, uh, if you want to listen in, you can go to um, blog talk radio backslash kayak fishing radio and pick up the podcast. I think I posted a link to it on the, uh, on my Facebook page as well. So feel free to click on that link and then it'll take you to the show, and then you can listen to the conversation that I'm having right now with Thad. Hey. So, so it won't hold the charge because you, you think you're thinking that's the reason though, because it was tilted on its side. Yeah, I read a lot, um, a bunch of different forums, <clears throat> and there's a lot of people that had issues with it, and um, I don't know if it's. I mean, I didn't look at anything brand specific. I kind of just looked at, you know, why won't my 12-volt hold a charge or why right. won't it charge, period. Toby, come here. And um, and I guess if you leave it stored on its side for an extended period of time, uh, it just kills the battery. So hmm. the good thing is um, replacements are only like 20 bucks. It's, I mean, your initial... Your initial purchase, I don't use the the lithium. All I use it for is my fish finder, so I don't need anything too crazy. But um, the uh, the initial purchase when you get the charger is, like, the biggest thing. And then after that, the batteries, you know, you get the batteries on uh, Amazon or whatever for 20 bucks for a good battery. Right. But other than that, man, it's just been a... Daily day in paradise. Yeah, I uh, Scott just posted in the uh, on the live feed. You got to mute the Facebook and play the the link um, to hear the caller. P.S. Just kicked me out of the chat and logged me in. Oh, okay, well, that's weird. Um, yeah, the Facebook. It's gonna be weird. I don't know if this will work out real well as far as doing the Facebook live videos while trying to do this until I get an actual studio studio type situation set up to where we can play the 
caller. But the thing is, is, is there's a delay. So it's really strange to try and do it any other way that I've tried because it, it wants to be, like it wants the lag. The show wants the lag. So I don't know. I don't know. Follow along and with me with me tying flies if you want to and uh you know, listen to me ramble here shortly when I get ready to. But we really don't have a specific topic in mind at the moment, actually. It's just that, you know a lot of exciting stuff going on and stuff that I wanna try and implement in twenty eighteen. And uh some of that has to do with the podcast, some of it has to do with you know, personal stuff. Some of it has to do with travel and fishing. Um, and some of it has to do with putting together a get-together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kind of like a, kind of like an old school, uh, well, not old school, but just kind of like a boondoggle of sorts, not calling it a boondoggle by any stretch of the imagination, because that is Adam Hayes and Mark Watanabe's um, project. So, <laughs> Uh, but 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 in in the same kind of a uh, same kind of an idea. The only difference being is that I want to do this fun get together situation in the Bahamas. So this guy that. <laughs> <laughs> um, that would be so much fun. Yeah, no, no, no pressure. Just show up, have a great time, fish, <laughs> maybe knock some stuff off a bucket list, hang out poolside, um, you know, shoot the crap, explore. <clears throat> just no tell pressure, you what, just a lot of fun. I am super stoked for Mixon to be headed out that way, and. Yeah. uh to know that I have a bed waiting for me. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I'm telling you, like, but, um, um, it, I agree. And I feel like, I feel like, um, I don't know, man. I feel really, really lucky and blessed to have been given an opportunity to work with the fine folks from Old Bahama Bay. And uh, yeah. <clears throat> I'm really looking forward to, to getting not just friends over there, but the family over there and, uh, you know, a little relaxation time slash, hey, look at that bonefish tailing right in front of the pool. I'm going to go grab the fly <laughs> rod and go catch it. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I don't know. It's just uh, it's a really cool, really cool opportunity. And, I, you know, I'm often thinking about Panama, too. Oh, I watched Robert Field and the folks who just went down to Los Buzos had an unbelievable trip. And uh, I really, really, really want to get my wife down there at some point, um, my wife and I, to go and relax and just chill and enjoy ourselves and not even be super pressured to catch a bunch of fish, you know what I mean? Just kind of go and just really enjoy the opportunity to be there to be in a place like that, like Jurassic Park. So. Yeah, I remember a couple of years ago, I was sitting back 
right around Battle of the Bahamas time talking to Lindsay about it. And she's like, man, that would be so much fun. Because, you know, most of the dudes that, that go down, dudes and dudettes that go down and fish it, they kind of make a family outing of it. And, yeah. Uh, for a week and, and just chill. But um, doing something more uh, boondoglish would definitely, I think that would definitely be more enjoyable. <laughs> Cause, yeah, I mean, I mean it would you, just be, like I said, there's no, there's no pressure. Like, yep. and that's honestly, it's not the pressure that that stops me from wanting to fish tournaments. It's just that honestly, I'm just not really into it. Um, there's there's folks out there that are ultra competitive, like you and Peppy and Alan Ryland and um, a few others that I know real well that like to fish tournaments, travel around, the, you know, follow the follow the series and stuff, and that's cool. But yeah, I'd rather I'd rather go fish with some buddies and get done and then have some lunch and, you know, tell some stories. And then after that's done, head to the house. <laughs> like, I don't you know what I mean? Yep. But if you had yeah. an opportunity to go to a place like the Bahamas and spend maybe just, maybe just an extended weekend, an extended weekend. And, uh, with like-minded people the same way as we do at the boondoggles and just, you know, learn from everybody. Everybody can, you know, teach somebody else a new technique or whatever. And that's the cool thing about it is it's like for most people, a trip to the Bahamas is like a bucket list trip. Mm -hmm. If it's affordable, if it's affordable enough, it might would be an annual trip. You know what I mean? Yep. Might be, might can become like your family's, that's our. That's how we're going to get out of here. I got a lot of friends that take cruises, that go on cruises, and cruises are fun. But goodness, for my wife and I to go on a cruise, yeah, I mean, it, it could it could be fairly fairly pricey. So, um, what would I rather do? Would I rather be stuck on a ship with a ton of people that I don't know and uh, do the same thing all the time? Go to a casino, lose a bunch of money. Go to a bar, spend a bunch of money. Or would I rather put that money into a trip to go fish somewhere really exotic or really cool and uh, take the wife along with me? Yeah, I was talking to you, Mixon, about this. We were up in Orlando a couple months back for a wedding, and um, and we were walking through the outlets the next day. And um, I'm not even going to lie, I had a pretty bad hangover. But um, my wife suckered me into one of those timeshare presentation tourist traps. And um, basically their perk was, I mean, it was kind of pointless, or it was kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you'd be stupid not to do it kind of deal. Right, um, right. We paid we, we paid nothing for, you know, a four-night stay at a hotel. And then their perk right now was they're partnered with Carnival, <clears throat> and you get a free cruise. Um so I was talking about mixing or talking to mixing and we're going to plan on taking that cruise next year. Once the baby's a little bit bigger and um, I'm going to try to find the, um, I'm going to try to get a book a cruise to uh, where we stop at Freeport um, with like a good amount of time at Freeport. And I'm going to try to link up with mixing while we're there, even if it's just to do, you know, a little bit of waiting 
um, kind of near the near the port or something like that, because um, I would absolutely love to finally fish there. You know, we did the cruises for several years and always ended up in the Bahamas at the straw market. And uh, I'd much rather go try to catch a fish than buy a knockoff coach purse. So, <laughs> but well, I think that would be you're super, a wise man, cool. sir. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, but that's the beauty of going there, too. Like, if you can make it as a destination to where you're actually going to stay in the Bahamas, um, the wife can go and check things out with, a, you know, the group of ladies. If, the, say, a bunch of guys go and their wives come with us, um, you know, the girls can go do their thing while the guys go and fish in the morning or or whatever the case may be. So. Yep. Options. Yeah. I'm going to tie up a bait fish. I'm going to tie up a bleeding purple and black bait fish. Make sure you post your Facebook Live video because I'm going to go on and, and steal all your ideas once I get a bobbin. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, bro. Um, and anytime you want, you want to just like, uh, give me a call or whatever or just do a we could do a Facebook live thing or I could bring you on the Facebook live feed oh yeah and you could tie alongside or whatever I've seen some folks do that um yeah yeah what's up Jimmy what's up Eric Casey a bunch of folks on the uh, on the Facebook live deal so basically what I'm doing for you that are listening that are not watching I'm just taking and I'm going to tie that in just above the actual barb of the hook. And I am using, for those scoring at home, the Gamagatsu SC15 saltwater grade wide gap. However, it is a thin wire hook. So if you're planning on throwing this with like a 9-weight, 8-weight or 9-weight, you got to remember that it's a short wire hook, I mean a thin wire hook, because these do have a tendency to open up a little bit. But I plan on throwing this with either a five-weight or a six-weight, heaviest being a seven-weight. So I'm not really too concerned about bending the hook straight. But in the, in the material that I'm using, uh, this is uh, a polar fiber streamer brush. I picked up a pack of this black and purple um, either from Flounder Creek Outfitters or Harry Goods. I don't remember which one it was. But uh, this is the, I don't even know what size it is. This is a three-inch brush. Okay, this is a three-inch brush. And what that means is, for those of you watching Facebook Live, I can show you, and you can watch later, buddy. Um, The length of the material on the brush is three inches. So gives you more coverage, a little bit larger profile. I'm going to tie this material in right on top of that thread bump that I created with a crystal flash. And I'm going to run my thread forward to the eye of the hook. Now, Sally Hansen, for you new tires, I know I see uh, Casey and uh, a few guys in there that are somewhat new tires. I use two different products. 
I just started using um, MaxiCure, M-A-X-I-Cure, E-U-R-E. Um, Dave Schmezer, the Schmez, turned me on to it. He gets it from uh, High Fly Hobbies in South Daytona Beach. But um, I use that, or in a pinch, I'll use the Sally Hansen Hard as Nails, which is just exactly that. It's a nail product that you can get at, like, Walgreens or CVS or whatever. And I used to get the look, like, why are you buying nail polish? And I think now they're just accustomed to seeing me at the CVS up the street from my house because I got, like, two or three bottles of it now at the house. So I always tell them, too, like, I feel obligated to say, look, it's not for my fingernails. It's for tying flies. Then they look even more confused. So I should just leave it at that. But this bait fish is cool because it's super easy, and you're about to see how easy it is. And the nice thing about it is that um, it doesn't take a lot of skill to tie it, which I like, because uh, I suck at tying bait fish flies, typically. But this makes it almost foolproof. So um, I'm going to grab this material and pull it back as I wrap it forward, but I don't need to really narrate the whole thing. You guys watching Facebook Live can see what I'm doing. Um, in other news, I saw that we lost another kayak angler recently. I forget exactly where it was, but um, thoughts and prayers are with that gentleman's family and friends. And unfortunately, it's a steady reminder that... Um, if you're fishing on waters that might be turbulent or cold or unknown or deep, got to wear that PFD. Got to have it with you. I either have the Onyx Fanny Pack style PFD with me or the Hobie Inflatable PFD. Or have a, a, you know, the old school traditional um, PFD with me. I just prefer what's a big old dead spot. Um, I just prefer to um, have the inflatable handy because I have to wear it. By law, you're supposed to wear your inflatables if you have one. And you don't have a secondary. You're supposed to wear that inflatable. So um, there's no excuse not to have a PFD on. That's the only one you have because by law you're supposed to. That makes sense. I think that made sense. Okay, so for those of you scoring at home, again, watching on Facebook Live, this doesn't look like a bait fish, right? This doesn't look like a bait fish. Casey, what's up? So see how ugly this is? Looks all tangled, looks like a mess. That's because it is a tangled mess. Unfortunately, this stuff is somewhat difficult to try to make look good on the first attempt. But ho, 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 just stand by and let me show you how quickly this turns into a bait fish. Um, so, yeah, I really, really, really want to get back down to Panama. Um, and I kind of want to go looking for lobsters when I'm down there. I'm not real sure when I'm there if I feel like doing that. Huh. Because... I'm not going to lie, the whole time I was out there in the ocean, all I kept thinking of was great white sharks breaching on me like I'm a, like I'm a seal. <laughs> um, 
the water's deep and uh, nice and cool and tends to be a home to white sharks from time to time. Although the guys have never seen one down there, that doesn't mean that they're not there. Um, cool. Where's Casey at? Casey, you still watching? So I'm taking my scissors, and I'm going to use my scissors closed because I don't have a bodkin to pull these fibers free from this tangled mess. And what I mean by that is literally just run the scissors into the material from the front of the fly and just kind of pull outwards and stand those all nice and straight up. Pull too hard. Think of uh, brushing your girlfriend's hair or your wife's hair or I don't know if you guys do, do stuff like that. I do sometimes. And uh, you hit a knot in her hair. Well, the last thing you want to do is like rip her hair out. So you got to kind of play with it a little bit to get it to to open up. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, once you've gotten the good majority of it pulled out, then you're going to take that and just pull it back. Oh, what do we have here? Look at that. So, very little trimming necessary. Usually, all I ever trim out is just uh, the excess of the crystal flash. Every now and again, you get a couple pieces that are a little crazy. Yeah, that's it. Except for the eyeballs. Got to put the eyeballs on it. Got to see where it's going. So what else is new and exciting, Thad? Still there, buddy? Yeah, I'm still here. I uh, I don't know if you saw, but about a month ago, I got into a little accident on uh, I did on my way to work, and um, the first collision place that I went to. Um, took a week to not do anything. Um, so it cost me a week of some pretty valuable time and took it to the place that's literally, you could throw a rock from their parking lot to the other parking lot. And, uh, they did my estimate right there on the spot. So I finally dropped off my truck and they put me in a daggum Chevy, no offense. But um, not only that, they gave me – I was supposed to get a little Nissan Frontier with, uh, like, a crew cab. Um, but they put me in a uh, – when I went to pick it up, the guy was like, oh, I haven't detailed it yet, so we're going to upgrade you to a full size. I was like, oh, okay, cool, you know. I was hoping to save some gas, but I'm not worried about that. And uh, – <clears throat> I walk out to the parking lot and all they had was double cabs. So, um, trying to fit a, um, 21st century baby car seat in a double cab kind of takes all the room. (laughs) So it's going to be a tight squeeze, but, uh, and they've got me in the rental until the 16th, which, 
I mean, I have a lot of front end damage. They've got a, it needs a grill, a bumper, a hood. Uh, my bumper actually fell off on the way home from Jacksonville. That was fun. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's like a whole nother story. But, uh, um, but they have my truck for 11 days. So I'm, uh, hoping these 11 days go by pretty quickly because I feel super cramped right now. Um, which is the reason why I bought a crew cab in the first place. You know, we, we waited and spent a little bit more to get a bigger truck so that we had the extra room. But, um, so yeah, man, other than that, fishing has been, um, it's been pretty good. The trout bike's been really good at night. Um, obviously, with my work schedule, similar to your work schedule, um, night times are basically the only days that, I, or the only times that I get to go fish. But um, it's been good. Um, they're getting uh, the bigger snooker definitely hanging around the bridges and um, out towards the inlets right now. Um, getting in that deeper, colder, or deeper, warmer water. Um, I was marking 59 degrees in Fort Pierce uh, a couple weeks Jeez. ago. Um, yeah, Crazy. but um, but I guess it was a lot warmer while we were up in uh, in Jacksonville this past week. So, um, so I'm thinking the water. I haven't been out. Obviously, I just got back yesterday. I haven't been out yet, but um hoping the water is warmed up a little bit um this time of year is you know february hey get out of there february is a a really fun time to fish the dock lights with fly for uh redfish and vero and um they have right now in bethel creek uh, about two months ago uh they put up signs for sewage which is freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just saw your post the other day um, for, uh, I don't remember what part you were talking about, but. Um, yeah, Satellite Beach. So yeah, so I, River. yeah, Satellite Beach. Yep. Um, but uh, I went up to Bethel Creek last week uh, just to kind of check on the status, and uh, the water was pretty gross um and there was absolutely nothing in the lights um except for a couple of pods of horse mullet um which is sad to see i mean i was just there uh christmas eve um i was there a couple of times in between thanksgiving and christmas i was there thanksgiving and every night we went we found um little schools of redfish just circling the the lights and um they were all a little puppy drum but um it's still a lot of fun but to go back up now and there's not a fish to be seen um it's pretty sad yeah a little dis- discouraging is it not uh real quick yep <clears throat> let's see who who do we have oops losing my ipad around what material did you say um so you're using? Uh, Crystal Flash is what I'm using for the blood. And then this is a polar fiber brush, which is available at both, if you're local, is available at both uh, Flounder Creek Outfitters and um, 
GaryGood.DoorShop down in Melbourne. And the other question was, oops, I just wrapped that into my crystal flash, didn't I? That's what I get for trying to do too many things at one time. What are your thoughts on articulated flies? Watching a lot of videos lately, and they look cool, but wondering about practicality for salt. Uh, well, articulated flies. Um, I think they're awesome. I think they look great. I don't personally really have any desire to get into tying the things just because it just seems like it's, to me, it looks like it's more trouble than it's worth when I could sit here and knock out one of these really, really quick bait fish flies that has tons and tons of movement um, in, a, in a matter of a few seconds as opposed to tying up the articulated flies. Now, I, they're cool. They've got their place, that's for sure. Um, I don't think you'd I don't think if you threw one at a big snook, it'd be able to turn it down or a big tarpon. Um, just the, the question that I always have is how strong is the connection between the, the, uh, the body segments? So if, you, if you're running a double hook, a two hook articulated fly, you know, how strong is that, that back hook in the event that the fish that you convinced to eat said fly only gets the back hook. You know what I mean? I would hate to lose a fish of a possible lifetime because I tied an articulated fly rather than just a standard bait fish pattern. That's just me. I mean, everyone has their own preferences. I don't, uh, you know. To be fair, I've only thrown an articulated fly one time. Uh, everything in saltwater would eat the thing, I promise you that. Um, practicality, I think that... Yeah, it, it it makes sense. It's got its place. Um, I could see throwing articulated, big articulated flies for like cobia, um, things that eat eels, or um, maybe even for king mackerel or something like that. That you know, a three or four segmented fly that looks kind of like a little ribbon fish or something would be pretty cool. You know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? That one's pretty decent. So, yeah. Um, what else? Oh, okay. So, I'm drinking drinking ketones, which is new for me. Um, today is the first day since I started that I actually forgot to do it during my work day. And... I can honestly say for the first time that I actually felt different for not having had it on board. You hear that? She ain't even paying attention. My wife's the one that wanted me to do it, and she ain't even paying attention. I said, uh, I, I told everybody I've been drinking the ketones, and, uh, Today's the first day that I forgot to take it, and um, I, I feel it, like I could, which I've been telling her it's all hogwash. <laughs> everything that she comes, everything that she finds that's a remedy for something, to me, as I'm always a skeptic until I try it and I like it, is witchcraft. Like, 
could be the essential oils that we use here at the house now. When she first started buying essential oils, I was like, what in the world is this? You want, I got a headache. You want me to put this oil on my head? Like, no, give me some Advil. Or my stomach hurts. Rub this on my tummy. Like, <laughs> really? But it works. So I should just know better than to question my wife when it comes to things that are good for me. Um, wow, eye placement on that fly is not good. Chuck, kind of fussed with it a little bit. Anyway. Oh, Jimmy. You got Jimmy Schick in the, on the live feed. But anyway, no, seriously, it works. And uh, my jeans that I like to wear to work uh, don't fit me quite as snugly as they did before. So maybe maybe I lost a couple pounds. I don't know. I haven't weighed myself. But I do have a goal. I would like to see the 190s. I'd like to see that. I don't think that's going to happen, to be honest with you. Because I like Doritos and cheeseburgers <laughs> and, and nacho fries like, from Taco Bell. I haven't had the nacho fries from Taco Bell. Oh my but I god! But like, they're so good. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll have to try them this week sometime while I'm at work because there's a Taco Bell right down the street. Um, Your wife's gonna hate me. No. It's all dude, come on. Like I'm a sucker I'm a sucker for sweets sometimes too, like candy bars. Not always. And today I had to go get gas for one of the work trucks and I walked in the gas station and they had the uh the new Snickers bars that come in the tandem pack. You know, it's like like two pieces of Snickers. Snickers tandem? Yeah, it's oh, like two shoot. Snickers bars in one sleeve. So uh, <laughs> anyhow, they um, they're buy one get one free. <laughs> Shut the front door, like right. I gotta have. I mean, it's a deal. Can't not save money today. Like saving money is a great thing. So I I got a I got two. I bought two, and I immediately ate. One of the two, one of two Snickers, and instantaneously regretted it. Like I was like, "What am I doing?" Like I felt guilty, Ugh. cheating on my diet-ish. I'm not really on a diet per se, because I I like to eat protein, right? Like there's no secret that I'm a carnivore. I don't. I'm not a not big on grass and veg and vegetation, like. I like to eat the things that eat the grass and vegetation. So, um, except for vegetarians, because that's that's not good. That's cannibalism and frowned upon in most most cultures. So, not all, just most. Not all, but but most. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I just you know, it's one of those things. I I, I bought. I bought two of them, so I had four Snickers bars. 
So I got back to the. Show. I didn't. Eat, I didn't eat four Snickers bars. My wife's like, "What? Uh, <laughs> what?" I heard that. <laughs> yeah, I only ate the one out of the double pack, and then I gave the other three. Here and he's like, "What? You're giving me half of your Snickers bar?" I'm like, "No, it's like its own little Snickers bar." Because I didn't want to eat Are the other sure? half, and I knew I know myself well enough to know that. I can't sit there with a Snickers in front of me and and not eat it. What? What? Why? Why didn't I want to eat the other half? Oh, appetite suppression from the uh, ketones. Uh, who's still watching that ties flies? Casey, are you still watching? I'm about to teach you something. Are you still at the metal roofing company? I am still at the Metal Roofing Company, Metal Roof Factory in Rockledge, located is, on um, Gus Hip. <laughs> do, you, do you do anything with pricing? Do I do anything with pricing? No. Yeah, like if I, I – uh, No? Okay. No. I leave all that up to the, the experts inside the office. I'm yeah. merely just the, uh, the minion. I got uh, – I cut metal and sometimes bend metal and make panels and try not to get killed. Like that's a big part of the day. Try not, not to not lose to die. Try not to lose your fingers. Dude, seriously, the one machine we have that makes most of the roof panels, like I legitimately have had nightmares about that machine. <laughs> Listen, if, if you saw what it does to metal, <laughs> if you, if you watched it, like, literally turn a flat piece of metal into a beautiful roofing panel, <laughs> you, just imagine what that you would just, do to you. Casey's there. You just okay, sometimes so Casey, picture, check like, it out. If, if you were to trip and fall and, like, your face landed no, on no, the no, machine. No, it's, 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 no, it's way worse than that. It's way worse than that. <laughs> Uh, Casey, cool. Hang on one second. We're going to continue this conversation yep. in just a second. Casey, Casey, this is Finn Coon. Finn Coon. What's up, Ryan Blair? Um, so write that down. Finn Coon or Finnish Coon, depending upon where you get it from. They'll either just call it Finn Coon or Finnish Coon. It is a uh, natural material. Uh, comes on a hide, right, like anything else. Um I'm going to – I never really looked up a thin coon, but I'm going to go with it's like a raccoon-ish species, probably from Finland, <laughs> if I had to guess. Uh, but then again, maybe it's not. Maybe it's just regular raccoon. I don't know. But the I like the material because it has these longer hairs. you got like this nice fluffy stuff right here, and then you've got these longer hairs. So when you tie it in as a clump, you end up with these nice longer hairs sticking out of the back end of the of that nice soft material, and it just I don't know it looks good in the water. I like it. Whatever. It's kind of it's similar to coyote ish, um, but the coyote tends to be a lot longer as far as the the, uh, the material itself. So, but fin coon, if you can find fin coon, awesome. And then what I did is, because I know I skipped a step, I didn't talk about it at all. Where did it go? Oh, here it is. This is a half-inch streamer brush. 
from Just That H2O Products, distributed by our distribution. Um, this came from, it could have come from either place, but I know I bought this at uh, uh, Flounder Creek. So uh, Nick Clark over at Flounder Creek has got a pretty good selection of it, and it's the half-inch streamer brush. So jot that down, half-inch, because that's important. I mean, you could trim out. If you buy an inch long or two inch long, you could always trim it, but I prefer just to go with the half inch. So I tied in a clump of thin coon right above the barb of the hook. Then on top of that thread bump, I tied in my uh, half inch streamer brush. I did about four wraps forward so that it kind of leans back and then wrapped it off, cut it off, and now we're sitting here debating what to do next. I know what I'm going to do next because I want to show you something that's awesome that I found at Hobby Lobby of all places. Hobby Lobby. Now, I'm all for supporting your local tackle retailer, fly shop, that kind of thing, and I do. But um, this was just too cool to not show, uh, not to show off. So, yarn, yarn, no big deal, just yarn. Um, but they're individually cut into little sections. And if you were to take your scissors and trim that in half and tie it in as body material for a crab pattern or a shrimp pattern or whatever, and I'll do that with, with this. Um, see, I've got normal yarn. And then I got the prepackaged stuff. So this is kind of a pain in the butt. It takes up a lot of extra room and uh, can get tangled, can get knotted up, whatever. There's 320 pieces in this bag. This bag cost, here I'm so that you know I'm not kidding. Bag cost $1.29. They call it, for, it's for needle art or whatever. Like I know what that is. But there's 320 pieces in this bag, which means when you cut that in half, how many, how many pieces do we then have, class? I'll wait. No one's going to answer that. Math. Uh, 640. So you'll have 640 pieces of yarn to use on your fly. And see, I'm already trying to tie a whole section in. I just told you to cut it all in half. i got to find my scissors. There they are. So literally, you just take it, snip it in half, and then you're going to take your section, lay it down flat on top of the hook right above your thread bump, pull it down tight. Two wraps is all it takes. Take it and twist it. Two more wraps is all it takes to lock it in. And just wiggle it a little bit, get it nice and straight, and then a couple of wraps in front of it just to secure it in place. Do that. Uh, you folks listening on the uh, podcast don't see it, but trust me when I tell you, it is happening. <laughs> um, so, bonefish. Bonefish. That is the other thing that I cannot seem to get off my mind is the almighty great ghost. And uh, it's going to happen. 
going to happen at some point this year, hopefully sooner than later. Um, but to say that I am excited about that opportunity would be an understatement. This is going to be one ugly crab. I'm throwing like three or four different colors into its shell, into its head, its body, kind of the head and the body, the same thing in this particular situation. So this is basically the same as tying in or tying a uh, tarpon toad or quan. One of the things that a lot of folks um, like to do is when they get into tying a specific style of fly, they tend to call it something that resembles something else, like the quan is a good example. Everything nowadays that's got this tarpon toad type body to it um, is considered a quan, it seems, depending upon who's tying it. Kind of funny, but it's very effective. If I could only, uh, if I could only tie one pattern that I personally like to tie, and fish it for the rest of my life, it would probably be a quan or something that is very similar to it, um, just because it hit me I'm tying in an extra section that I don't really need at the moment. Now, normally, I would tie my eyeball material in first and talking, and I get distracted, and sometimes I forget my steps. So it doesn't make a difference, honestly, whether or not you tie it in first or tie it in last. But this will be the last one we'll do. And we'll talk for a few more minutes, maybe. Time is it? Nah. Maybe a few more minutes. Yeah, a few more minutes. Just try not to wrap over the top of the material that you tied in, because that can happen sometimes when you start tying in your eyeballs. And I don't tie um, weed guards on most of my flies just because where I'm fishing, there tends not to be a whole lot of grass. So there's that. So the next thing you're going to do once you get that, once you get the eyes secured, you've got your, uh, your body material there. It's kind of like a crazy crab. Um, you can trim that stuff up. But make sure when you do, you have all of your colors in the proper order in which you tied them so that one's not longer than the other when you go to trim it. Silly looking. I got blue, brown, like a cream color, and gray <laughs> all in this body, which, hey, you know what? Could work, and you know I'm not even gonna I'm not gonna even mark up that tail. I'm just gonna leave it just like that. Oh, what are you tying up, Casey? What are you working on? 
should be tying up some black drum flies because it is black drum season. There are literally thousands of black drums schooled up all throughout the river. That'll work. Nothing crazy. Just like a little shrimpy, crabby-looking thing. You can tell how much shine it's going to get from that that, uh, streamer brush. It's got a lot of flake in it, so that'll be a good one. Stick that in the collection of stuff tied tonight. Cool. Thanks for watching, folks. I'm going to jump off of here, jump back onto the show, and finish that up, and we'll talk to you guys later. There you go. All right. So uh, now I can focus on the one, the one thing. I'm parched. I just realized I'm parched. <laughs> hey, babe. 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 <laughs> anyway, um, what was the other thing I was thinking about that I wanted to talk about tonight? Um, oh, yeah, the uh, black drum schools. So head offshore to do most of their spawning. Um, they, they, just like the big redfish, are broadcast spawners. So um, they don't necessarily have to link up with a single individual to do the deed. Um, it's more or less a giant cluster of fish that, you know, release each each zones. Each zones, is that a word? That's not even right. Each his own. Each his own. Uh, stuff and sperm. What is this? Water. Sweet. Thank you. Ooh. Excuse me for taking big swallers of water. Um, but yeah, and, and this time of year, what typically tends to happen is uh, we get our influx of shrimp into the Indian River Lagoon system. Um, they move through the intercoastal and uh, make their way on down throughout the river. A lot of times when you find these schools of black drum tailing and doing their happy drum stuff, um, you'll find uh, or you'll see shrimp actually skipping across the surface trying to get away from them. But a lot of times what happens, especially now that we're so limited on grass, um, is these black drum find areas that are covered up in little periwinkle-type snails and um, little worms and whatnot down in the sediment down on the bottom. And you can almost always tell whether or not you're in the right area if you don't see tails is if you can see the bottom and you see what looks like little kiss marks all across the bottom, little little mouth marks all across the bottom. Uh, and it's a good indication that a school has come through and somewhat mowed that area down. My favorite way to catch said black drum is by way of fly. It is 
it's fairly easy once you understand the physics of how a black drum to feed. Sometimes they will chase down a fly, but most of the time uh, they're picking it up once their barbels hit it, once, they, once their little barbels in the bottom of their chin feels that fly fly by or feels something move around near them, they kind of hone in on it and eat it. Um, obviously, a tailing black drum, you're going to really need to put it in its face, and depending upon what type of bottom he's over, if he's... Uh, over the algae grass that's out there right now that everybody keeps calling seagrass, then you have to uh, throw him something that's heavy enough to get down into his face, get through the grass. Or wait for him to drop his tail and then hopefully present the fly past his chin as he's swimming, moving to another spot to, to tuck his face down in the bottom. For those of you that do not like to fly fish, and I know there's a lot of listeners that don't like to fly fish, um, Obviously, the easiest thing in the world to catch a black drum on is either a live or dead shrimp. It doesn't have to be a whole shrimp. It could be a quarter of a shrimp. It could be a shrimp head. Um, typically, care if my shrimp is live or dead, if fishing with shrimp for black drum. Um, prefer fresh dead, actually. And what I'll normally do, if they don't have any fresh dead that's unfrozen at the bait shop, is I'll just have them put uh, maybe a dozen or so mediums or hand picks into a plastic bag. No water, just a plastic bag. And, uh, you know, I'll deal with them accordingly, which usually means just leave them in the bag all day. And if they start to get kind of funky, it, they're just a better bait. I mean, I've never had a black drum. I never had a school of black drum turn down a chunk of shrimp ever. Um, Thousand size reel, 2,500 size reels, fine for most black drum. You're going to find on the flats, 10-pound braid, 15-pound braid if you're fishing bigger fish or uh, if you're fishing around structure like the bridges and stuff, you're going to want to bump it up from that. Your reel size will get bigger as well because you're fishing in an area where they can get you into the pylons and bust you off and stuff, and you don't really want to do that. So um, if, the, if you're fishing structure, then... I would go to at least a 5,000-size reel. Um, probably like 40-pound braid would be more than sufficient. And a 20-pound mono leader, honestly, would be fine. It uh, doesn't have to be a long leader. They're not leader-shy fish. They, their eyesight tends to kind of suck anyway. So um, there's that. I see a lot of people on Facebook asking the questions about the, the who, what, where, when, why, and how of black drum, and nobody ever gives them any information, especially this time of year, and nor do I blame them, because if you've found yourself in an area where you've got a, a, a couple of schools move, moving through, uh, you kind of want to keep that to yourself. But in the event that you do find them and they are tailing, sand fleas work great. Pieces of shrimp work great. Um, what else works really good? Clams work really good. Um, take a blue crab and quarter it up or just have it. Um, anything like that will work just fine. I've caught them on soft plastics. I've caught them on, uh, excuse me, gulp shrimp. Gulp shrimp works pretty good. But, I mean, I've caught them on Slayer Ink, SSTs, SSBs, STBs. I've caught them on all of the Slayer Ink plastics. Um, but you just got to change up your retrieve rather than 
twitch and twitch and twitch and twitch and twitch like you would for redfish or whatever, or steady retrieving like you would for redfish with an SST, you'd want to slow down your retrieve and basically drag the bottom. Because again, these fish are bottom feeders. They they can come up and suck a shrimp off the surface. I've seen it done, but for the most part, they they stick that that chin to the bottom, and that's where they stay. Hence the barbels. All right, the barbels are your friend. Just remember, if you were blind and you had to rely on the whiskers on your chin to find your food, if it goes over the top of your head, you're pretty much screwed. Right? You wouldn't. You you typically wouldn't know that it's there. So. Slow it down, slower retrieve with artificials, uh, DOAs or whatever. And your flies, black and purple, all black, black and gold, dark colored flies seem to work a little bit better for black drum. I don't, I don't know. There's days where it doesn't make a difference. There's days where I've thrown into the middle of a school of redfish and pulled out a black drum on a on a typical redfish pattern. So, but uh, dumbbell eyes. As opposed, to, as opposed to bead chain, if you're fishing these fish in, you know, anything more than, say, a foot of water, so it drops down fast, gets down in front of their face, and sits on the bottom the best that it possibly can. And then, uh, yeah, short, super short, slow, methodical strips with the fly line. Little bump, little bump, little bump, little bump, little tiny little bumps. Just grab... What I do is I grab the, the fly line in my left hand, and with my thumb, I push the fly line down into my hand and kind of drop it out, down by my pinky. Does that make sense? Grab the grab the fly line with my thumb and kind of press it against my stripping finger and slide it through my hand. Keeps you from 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 over stripping. You know, redfish, you can you can bring it past the space and then move it quick, strip, 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 and it'll chase it down and eat it. A black drum tends to want to not have to move very far to eat. That's why sometimes you'll see a black drum stick his tail up in the air and hold it there for 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes. I've seen them just sit there with their tail out of, out of the water, just not it's not fluttering it's not moving it's literally just sitting completely still or worms or or he's just letting the wind or the light breeze kind of carry him down the flat until he feels something he stops and eats it so black drum in a nutshell you like catching black drum Bad. Sorry, I didn't know I was the only one here. <laughs> I, um, you're it, man. You're the only guy I got calling me. Hey, question about that. So, if I want to, yep. I've never done the the live podcast. Is that? Mm-hmm. I, I, I figure I can't do it with my phone because I have an iPhone and I don't have Adobe. Can I do it from a tablet? Are you when you say do it, listen to it? Yeah, like get on or the live do chat. A sh- or oh, get on the live chat. chat. Uh, yeah. yeah, you should be able to do it from an from a iPad or a tablet. Yeah. 
I, I could run the show from a tablet. I can run the show from a tablet, so I don't see why you wouldn't be able to get on and get into the chat room that way. Cool. But you're doing a live show right now. Oh, yeah. But uh, my phone is, uh, I think I'm having one of those iPhone 6 battery issues. And uh, Mm -hmm. my battery will go from 100 to 40 in 10 minutes out of nowhere. So... I think I'm gonna start getting on the chat because I got a new um, a new tablet just recently. But um, black drum, I love catching black yeah. drum. Black drum are freaking so much fun, man. I actually they are fun. Was yeah, I was just up there um, a little bit ago. I don't know how how long ago it was. Um, and my buddy just got a little chaos gift. And uh, he wanted me to come up and ride with him. And we found uh, a school of probably like 50 or 60 redfish in some hot, mucky water. That it, Well, it wasn't really hot. It was just really mucky. And, um, and I just saw a big black bump in the middle of them. <clears throat> and we tried getting these reds to eat for a solid half hour. And uh, they would spook, but they would just move, you know, 10, 15 yards and then school up again. And um, <clears throat> I had a, I got a shrimp, uh, like a weedless shrimp tied on and I uh, just launched it over. I figured it was like a, a big sheep's head or something. And um, none of these redfish would look at it. And this black drum just jumped all over it and, uh, they, I mean, it's a drum. They they fight good. They fight hard. Um, definitely pound for pound, and they're a blast, man. Um, I definitely feel like, especially in the lagoon, for people that don't appreciate them, um, they kind of get looked at if they're not schooling up. Kobe, come on, dude. I feel like um, if they're not schooling up, they kind of just get looked at as, you know, I'd rather catch a redfish. But um, I I absolutely love them, man. They're so much fun. And, of course, yeah. when they school up, they're even better. Yeah, they're great when they're schooled up because they get really, really stupid. Like, even more stupid <laughs> than they normally are. Um, but, you know, the, yeah. thing, the thing about thing about fish like a black drum, just like a Jack Crevel or ladyfish, for that matter, you know, we've got all these different awesome game fish here in Central Florida, or actually really all over Florida, and a lot of them don't get the credit that they, in my opinion, they deserve. Are they as pretty to look at as a redfish? No, but they're 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 just as beautiful in like the really ugly, beautiful kind of way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, a small black drum like looks really cool because it's. <laughs> Yeah, a small black drum is really cool because it still has its stripes, and they look cool. Like they they are they are a fairly pretty fish, and then they get bigger and then they get ugly, and all battle wound and battle scarred, just like a just like a sheephead. A small yeah. tiny a little tiny juvenile sheephead is is a fish that you wouldn't mind putting in a saltwater tank to watch them around, right? I mean they're cool looking. Without a doubt, big a big giant white faced sheephead that's been living off a bridge for 
10 years. It's all barnacle scratched and scarred and it's ugly. It's a beat up looking haggard old fish. <laughs> but uh, the, I find the, diff- the, the big thing that, that cracks me up is, I mean, right now things are kind of like iffy on the whole let's eat these fish situation because of what our river's going through. But um, black drum, to me, are one of the best eaten fish in the intercoastal. By far my favorite fish to use for fish tacos. I mean, I'll, I'm not saying – what's that? I said, oh, shoot, tacos. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not again. saying that I would take black drum over dolphin because that's that's just stupid talk. But I would definitely take black drum over sea trout, and I would definitely take black drum over redfish. Um, fish yeah, tacos. black drum are one of those fish though that it's like you don't really feel bad for for taking one. You know what I mean? Like, when, if you do decide to harvest a black drum, you, you don't ever, I don't ever have that, like, uh maybe I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, <clears throat> we went down to a marathon two years ago to, uh, Porky's. Uh, it's like a little barbecue seafood. If you haven't been there, then you need, and, um, they had these like coconut panko crusted fish tacos with a mango salsa, and when I bit into them, it was the best fish taco I have ever had. And uh, I mean, obviously, I, I really love you know flavorful. I love the Caribbean food and uh, that seasoning, but. I asked the lady, I was like, what did you guys use for the fish tacos? And she's like, hold on, let me go check the sign. And, like, at the front, they have what their fish tacos, I guess, are made of each day. Yeah. And yeah. it was trigger, trigger fish. Oh, yeah. And I, I, that's the first time that I've ever had trigger fish. And they make some dank fish tacos, man. So, like, light and fluffy. Um. It was delicious, absolutely delicious. But I always crack up. Is- I always crack up whenever I see guys fishing down south to catch trigger fish and throw them back. I always laugh <laughs> when I see that because I'm like, <laughs> I, "You guys are dumb." Yep. So good. Listen, I was fishing with some friends of mine one time. I've told the story on the show before, but I'll tell it again. I was fishing with some friends of mine one time out of Port Canaveral, we're out looking for snapper grouper was like the main focus of the trip. And that was back when red snapper were still open. Mm-hmm. And the folks Rip. that I was fishing with, my, my friends from T they're from England. We call them team England. They own a, uh, at the time it was a 36 foot yellowfin, but now they've got a, they sold it. They got a 39, but, um, it's 36. We ran out to uh, a fairly well-known reef. Um, I remember I dropped the bait down, and it got just chewed up by triggerfish. And I knew it was a triggerfish because of the, the, the bites, the bite marks out of the bait. So 
I, I immediately went into Chuck's going to harvest every trigger fish off this reef mode <laughs> and cranked up my typical eight foot long leader, 10 foot long leader to a barrel swivel, to a slide sinker, you know, snapper fishing, looking for a group or a snapper. I took that off and uh, I tied a real quick dropper loop um, for a bank sinker and then tied two dropper loops for my hooks and what I call a chicken shit rig. And uh, I use a Gamagatsu octopus number four. No, correction, 4-0. Uh, a 4-0 Gamagatsu octo, uh, open eye octopus or op- wide gap octopus hook, I think is what it is. Try that again. A 4-0 wide gap octopus hook is, I believe, what it, what it was. Yeah. I know it's a Gamagatsu hook, but, but anyhow. Um, and I just take a little, little ribbon, a little pennant of squid or a squid head, a little strip of squid or squid head, whatever, throw it on the hook, send it down to the bottom. As soon as it hits the bottom, I crank it up like 10, 15, 20 feet up off the reef because the trigger fish is probably one of the only smaller reef fish that's not scared to come up off the bottom, even with warm water being down there. Like when the, when the thermocline comes in, everything leaves the bottom. Everything, spade fish, snappers, everything comes up off the bottom. Um, but even in a normal day where the bottom's nice and warm and everything's happy down there, trigger fish are like the bully of the reef. They don't care. Nothing's going to mess with right. them. <laughs> and if they do, they'll probably take a bite out of them. So uh, the idea behind cranking it up 15, 20 feet is to keep it away from the sea bass and the sand perch and the uh, smaller snappers that you can't keep and, you know, the junk stuff, the junk fish, the lizard fish, the things you don't want to mess with. And it's the easiest fishing in the world. You just hang that bait there. You watch the rod tip. I fish with a with a, an eight-foot um, snapper rod, which is basically uh, like a like a, like a 40 to 60-pound class rod, eight foot long. And uh, I watch that rod tip. And once the rod tip starts to kind of bounce a little bit, I just let it hang there for a second because chances are one trigger's already hooked and he's freaking out. What happens with trigger fish is they tend to regurgitate a lot when they fight. So you kind of hang it there, let him do his thing. When he freaks out, he throws up, here come the other fish. And normally you'll get a second trigger fish on the other hook and you can go two at a time. I killed like, I don't even know how many. I know, I know, I know that at one point my friend's mom turned to me and asked me if I had enough. <laughs> like, <laughs> you think you think you got enough there? And and there's part, still trigger the, fish down there. Uh, part of me was like, no, I, I don't. Like, I haven't filled the coffin box yet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I realized I had a lot of cleaning to do ahead of me. So. Um, I I I I stopped. And I think I was I don't even remember how many fish I was at. It was like twenty fish, twenty two fish or something like that. And uh so so trigger fish, yes, they're delicious. And trigger fish can be a pain in the ass to clean. However, if you use this very, very simple technique, they are very, very easy to clean. 
Are you ready? I'm listening. Sweet. Take take your felina. (laughs) Right next to where the trigger is, right next to where his big spine is, right? And the Uh, knife will slide in through that membrane like butter. No problem. Right in. The key to cleaning a trigger fish is not to try and cut from the outside in, but from the inside out. Got it? You don't want to try and cut from the outside in. You want to cut from the inside out. So you're going to take the blade and hold it the opposite direction in which you normally would hold it to fillet a fish and cut from the, from the inside out. And for some reason, because of that motion, because, the, because of the fact that you're, you're, you're pulling out of the fish as opposed to trying to go in through that sandpaper skin, they just do. They fillet so easy. They just huh. they open they open right up, and you can you can literally fillet a dozen of them things in the time that it would take a, a, an an average fish cutter to clean, say, two or three grouper. Huh. Because it's just super fast. You just in slide the blade, pull the fish, spin the fish around. Shoo, Cut it off, and it looks like it looks like a butterfly pork chop when you take it off the fish, because it's kind of got nice. that shape to it. Toby and dude, you what? No, nah, my dog. Keep going. Oh, but yeah, it's uh, it's super. That's a super easy and super effective way to fillet triggerfish, but they are absolutely delicious. They are one of my favorite ocean-going fish. Tilefish, tilefish, scamp grouper. Uh, triggerfish. I'm not. I'm, I, I like snapper, but it's. I don't like have to have snapper. You know what I mean? Like I can take yeah. it or leave it. If I'm usually mm-hmm. if I'm eating snapper, it's 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 covered in some kind of a seasoning or something, and I don't really taste the flesh of the fish. That up, up until I went to Panama. When I was in Panama, I had a whole fried snapper platter uh, at one of the cantinas, and it was phenomenal. Like literally delicious. Like probably top five of, of fried fish that I've ever had in my entire life. Yeah, it sounds it was really good. In a, in, yeah, and it was done in a little tiny cantina, like that. I would venture to say most people who travel down to Panama from the states probably wouldn't have eaten that, not because it was filthy and gross and there was stuff running around or nothing like that just because of the idea that you're in a third world country and you're being served this fish on a platter that you don't really know how well the refrigeration was or any of that nonsense. But I ate at the cantinas four or five times while I was down there and never once got sick. In fact, came well, home like, <laughs> no, truly, and came home like close to 15 pounds lighter than when I went down there. And I was only down there for a week, but it was because I ate nothing but fresh seafood the whole time. I ate fresh vegetables with rice. I even ate planta- fried plantains. And people that know me know that that's crazy because I don't typically eat fruit of any kind. Um, so that, that, that conversation wraps into my final thought of the evening, which is for those of you gentlemen out there listening to the show that – feel like you want to lose some weight this year and 
don't want to necessarily put yourself out on a diet, I'm telling you, there is no substitution for fresh fit, for fresh food. And when I say fresh food, I'm not talking just because you made it at, at the house. It's fresh. I'm talking literally fresh food, not something from a can, not something from the freezer section. You know, uh, go to your local butcher, get some meat, get some good proteins, go to uh, the vegetable section or the fruit section of wherever it is you shop and take a look and see what looks farmer's market and pick up some fresh ingredients there and I'm telling you drink water get rid of get rid of the excess alcohol if you have that in your diet get rid of that drink water forget about sodas and, and juices and stuff like that and walk if you walk three to four miles a day and you drink a lot of water keep yourself hydrated all day long lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of water and then you eat Fresh cooked food. You, there's no way you can't lose weight. There's no way you won't lose weight. Promise you. And you don't feel like you're starving yourself. And you don't have the pressure of being on a diet. If you want to try something different, a little bit different than that, maybe something a little bit outside the box to the norm, I highly recommend you, you look at the ketos, ketone drinks improve it because I I feel better. I feel more alert. I don't feel as hungry all the time. And I could already, like I said, feel and see a change. And I've only been drinking it for a week. So, you know, I went from I went from two hundred and sixty eight pounds down to my mid two twenties in a little bit over a month when I first found out I was diabetic. And I did it by eating lots of protein, walking, and then working my way into jogging and drinking tons of water. So I promise you guys, it's possible. It can be done. And if any of you guys have any questions or comments or concerns about that topic, feel free to hit me up either on Facebook or Instagram. I'll be more than happy to talk to you about it. Um, If you want to set up a challenge, some people are very competitive. If you want to set up a challenge with me and let's see, you know, how much weight we can lose in a month and a half, two months or whatever, I'll, I'll support you. We'll talk about it on the show. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about your weight on the show and where we start. And we'll do we'll do like a live weigh-in. But you got to be honest. You can't you can't cheat. You got to be completely honest with yourself and with everybody else that's involved. But my goal is to see a lot of you guys get healthy. Um, I know what it feels like to to feel like crap all the time. Um, but I also know what it feels like to feel amazing and to feel like you're getting your life back. And there's no greater reward than that. So there it is, Dad. Thanks for joining me, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna hop off and watch some TV with the wife, and then probably go to bed. Do it up. <laughs> yeah. Anytime you want to call, man, feel free. Give us a shout. Yeah, for sure. Once I get some more stuff going, um, then uh, I'm definitely gonna give you a call, and we're gonna go live and make some flies. 
Sounds good to me, brother. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, do us all a favor. Take a kid fishing. They're the future of our sport. Introduce your neighbor to fishing. Um, yeah, get to know your neighbors. Knock on the door, say hello, and uh, you never know. You may end up uh, finding yourself basically a second family, which is awesome to have. And uh, that's it. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow night with Captain Alex and James from Atlanta and uh, whoever else decides they want to call us. But I appreciate you guys tuning in to Random Thoughts. Uh wasn't so random after all, but we appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right. God bless. We'll talk to you guys later.